Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robots Radio presents You're listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters To those curious about D&D To learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons Blah, 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 Sergio. Blah, 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 crit. Welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. I am your host, the Almighty Crit. And joining me is my fellow host, Sergio. The nun-mighty Sergio. (laughs) And I'm fine with that. I was like messed up about it as a kid. You know, as a youth, you want to be strong and mighty. But I've, I've accepted my limitations. I've accepted my station in life. You know, not all are meant to be mighty. I refuse to accept it. I'm mighty in different ways. You're I'm mighty, mighty in my heart, Sergio. I'm mighty in the hearts of Bar- the people of Barovia. Oh, speaking of Barovia, today Thank we're you, going. We're going to start. Say, I'm mighty in segues <laughs> as well. We're going to start our deep dive of Ravenloft. This is part we've one, got, and yeah, we've, there's a lot to go over. We've got a, a four-part series uh, on Ravenloft. Uh, it's going to get broken up a bit. You know, um, next week is our monthly uh, Patreon chat. All of our um, uh, wizard patrons and up get to jump on. We pick a cool topic to discuss. Uh, next month, we also see the release of the Critical Role uh, official, like, you know, D&D Critical Role uh, adventure module or adventure uh, uh, Netherdeep. So we'll be discussing that. Um, but so beyond uh, that stuff, we're like we're we're knee deep in Ravenloft. I am so excited about this one. <laughs> and I remember, th- I remember when I asked you, I was like, "Hey, we should we should freaking do Ravenloft for sure." Because uh, we've uh, we've talked about it in in especially when we were talking about our favorite adventures for fifth edition, and your favorite was Curse of Strahd. I was like, "Yeah, dude, it is. It's so good. We should just go ahead and do." Uh, an episode or two on Ravenloft and you're like, we should probably have to do like four of them because there's so much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I, uh, I definitely in doing this research, I've, I've, this is just on tonight's episode. I've got at least two and a half pages of notes. It's <laughs> okay. So I have to first say this people, say people take Ravenloft for face value. And they don't realize how much actual lore and actual D&D content, as in like players content, there actual, actually is. Because there are actually stories that were written about Ravenloft in addition to the games that we play. So... When you said, "Oh, we should do like a, a, an episode about it," that's I was like, why "Let's do I an said, episode on the campaign setting, and then know, let's do a whole episode oh no. on Strahd." Oh no, no. no. you Ooh, cannot do the Ravenloft setting justice by just focusing on the setting and Strahd, because there are so many incredible monsters and creatures and events and things that just happen in this place. Ravenloft is essentially a smaller scale version of. Greyhawk. You know, it is an actual setting. This is a no, living, I mean, breathing world. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, like, think of it as, as Greyhawk, as Forgotten Realms, as Eberron. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's got its own, 
geography. It's got its own NPCs. I mean, this is it's just because you think of it as just sort of as an, as an adventure. It's in its own right, a, a full blown campaign setting. Mm-hmm. So we can keep, you know, fanboying over it. But let's go ahead and dive into it. All right. So this episode, we're going to talk about the history of the of Ravenloft, as well as dig into some of the lore. Uh, or uh, part two, which will be in a couple of weeks, will cover uh, Van Richten and some other NPCs within the Ravenloft campaign setting. Episode three will be really hor- uh, really lore heavy, <laughs> not horror heavy, but lore heavy. I mean, it'll uh, be horror heavy as well, but you know. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about uh, a lot of the different uh, events that you uh, described, a lot of the bunch of um, different uh, sort of uh, characters that uh, that show up in uh, like groups of people like the Vistani show up in uh, Ravenloft. And then, of course, we'll finish it all off talking about the man himself, the undead superstar, Strahd. Uh, I mean, an entire episode uh, has to be devoted to him. There's so much coming from what just started off as a one little adventure module. Like a little like rinky dink, you know, like, hey, this is, you know, uh, uh, something you can do on a long afternoon or over a couple of sessions. And it has snowballed into something that uh, that's really incredible. Mm -hmm. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the first topic of the day, which is what, Sergio? November 1983. So, you know, Reagan's in office. Little baby Sergio is about six months old, still pooping his diaper, <laughs> like not being able to walk or talk. But already, like, there's a there's some there's something that's going to combine him and the release of the original Ravenloft module for uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the first edition. It's written by husband and wife team, Tracy and Laura Hickman. And those two names might sound familiar because they also created the Dragonlance campaign. So in addition to creating uh, an entire campaign, like off rip, like, you know, Dragonlance started as a campaign setting. They also did this, you know, they also wrote the Ravenloft module, which eventually also became its own campaign setting. So, you know, you definitely have Tracy and Laura Hickman to to thank for quite a bit of D&D content. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's your basic, you know, it's your uh, basic, you know, sort of vampire adventure module. Like the PCs are enlisted to help a young Barovian woman named Irina Koliana, you know, while also traversing the Barovian forest and its dangerous inhabitants as well as Strahd himself. You know, Strahd in the, in the module is described as as a genius and the dm should play them as such you know this is someone who uh, is is a it is a very dangerous foe for the party uh you know you're in this strange land known as barovia where a strange mist covers everything and uh throughout the module you know the characters learn more about strahd and irena's backstory you you uh, understand like why strahd is after this woman you know, you understand like sort of um, what uh, his motivations are. Uh, but like I said, it's, you know, it's sort of like this, you're very run of the mill, uh, you know, seemingly run of the mill adventure for advanced Dungeons and Dragons, except that the Strahd villain, the Strahd character that the Hickmans crafted, you know, was so well done that people clamored for more. They, they didn't want to see the end of this character. And which brings us to January 1986. Uh, I'm sorry, September 1986, when you get the sequel to Ravenloft, which is called The House on Griffin Hill. And really quick, in between uh, those two modules, uh, you get this really cool thing. We're talking about it uh, and before we started the, the official uh, recording. For those uh, who are uh, Patreon listeners, you get to hear all the stuff that we that we talk about before and after the show. There's this thing called an uh, uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Adventure Gamebook, which is sort of like 
a combination of D&D and choose your own adventure. So it's like uh, like a ghast comes up and attacks you. Like you roll, like you you cast turn undead, like roll your dice. If you roll less than this number, turn to this page. If you roll more than this number, turn to that page. And so you're able to like sort of like, you know, determine the story based on your dice rolling, which is kind of cool. Like it's it's kind of, you know, it's very much like, uh, I guess because I sort of grew up in that era, like appeals to like my sensibilities. I don't know how um, how it go over nowadays, um, but yeah. So January 1986, see uh, we see the release of the Master of Ravenloft adventure game book, and then if, uh, later on that year we get the House on Griffin Hill. No, the House on Griffin Hill is uh, it's a bit more of a confusing storyline, whereas before you know. The Ravenloft module, like I said, was pretty much um, run of the mill, although the characterization is what really uh, made it better than what uh, the story like, you know, it's kind of like Titanic, you know, it's it's Romeo and Juliet on a boat. But, you know, because of the special effects and the other you know, the, the script and whatever else, like it becomes that much more popular. You know, Ravenloft is your basic like vampire story, vampire trying to get his uh, bangs into a beautiful woman who obviously doesn't want that. But because of the characterization, because of the writing, it's, uh, it's the sum is greater than the, than its parts. Right. Uh, so house on Griffin Hill though, it's a little bit more of a confusing storyline because we have two strods in this module. And one is the same from the previous module. One is the same as a strad from the Ravenloft module. And, and in this, in the house on Griffin Hill, he's referred to as the creature. And the second strad is a more human version of strad. And he's known as the alchemist. So the way that this story comes about is that uh, when strad and Azalin, who is another dark Lord, and more on the Dark Lords later. We will definitely talk about the mm-hmm. Dark Lords. Uh, try to escape the domains of dread. And again, we will definitely get into the domains of dread in just a second. Uh, and they end up in Mordent. So the the module actually doesn't take place in Ravenloft. It takes place in Mordentshire, which is the seaside capital of Mordent. So there's this uh, there's this thing called the apparatus which is now like considered to be one of the oldest and most powerful artifacts in Ravenloft. Uh, it splits Strahd into two. So that's why we get the aforementioned creature and the alchemist. And it all culminates with uh, the, escape, the escape attempt failing when Strahd and Aslan are forced back to their respective uh, domains, their domains of dread. Uh, and they they both only have fragments of memories from this time. And uh, meanwhile, Mordent is actually forced to join the dom- domains of dread with uh, Lord Wilfred Godfroy taking over as Dark Lord. Uh, and what's cool about the house on Griffin Hill is because it's kind of a you know it's kind of a radical departure from what the original Ravenloft was. There's a way they in in the module itself, it gives you an out. It can say like you can play this sort of like as a dream. Like this is a dream that the characters are having while playing the original Ravenloft. And then they but they also say like you could also play it vice versa to where the Ravenloft adventure, the original Ravenloft adventure module is the dream. And this is actually what's happening. And then they say you could actually play them simultaneously with the player characters not knowing which one is a dream and which one is reality or if they're somehow both reality. That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so yeah, off, you know, even back in the 80s, like D&D was getting real weird with it. And I'm, I'm here for that. <laughs> well, I mean... Before we go any further, we also have to pay tribute to the fact that in the 80s, the horror franchise as a whole was on a wild growth. Oh, yeah. It was a a renaissance. Oh, yeah. We 
we saw a huge rise in horror films, horror music, uh, you know, uh, Wolf mentioned in chat, you know, Thriller. I mean, yeah. come on, November 1983, Thriller. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like horror was so much in the like public consciousness that the biggest musician, the biggest pop star in the world, like made a, you know, one of their biggest songs ever was like horror themed, the, the music video and the lyrics were horror themed. But, so like the, this was definitely like following the zeitgeist of the public consciousness. Oh, yeah. But we could go on and on about why. But let's go on about the content. <laughs> so I mentioned uh, Dark Lords. I mentioned that uh, that Strahd and Azalin, another Dark Lord. So, you know, uh, Strahd himself is a Dark Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned that, you know, they tried to escape their Domains of Dread. So let's talk about Domains of Dread and Dark Lords. Now, this is some like really fun lore stuff that uh, that's involved with the Ravenloft campaign setting. So the Domains of Dread, also known as the Demiplanes of Dread, they're a series of Demiplanes within the Shadow Plane, kind of like tucked away, like in a little corner. Uh, so when you think about the Shadow Plane or, or Shadowfell, when you think about like how bad and how dark that is, you know, it's, it's bleak and, and desolate, just full of death and decay. Uh, the domain, uh, the domains of dread exist like in a dark corner of that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's kind of like the room in the haunted house that even like the monsters won't go into. <laughs> and so there are various sections or fragments uh, in the domains of dread. You know, Barovia is the most famous of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each domain of dread has its own Dark Lord. And Strahd obviously is the Dark Lord of Barovia. And Azalin, he's the Dark Lord of Darkon, which is another domain of dread. So now, how does one become a Dark Lord? Well, a Dark Lord, and you also might hear them referred to as Domain Lords, is someone whose evil has caused the dark powers to like pay them attention, like pay them mind. And the dark powers, they're um, think they're like a Deus Ex Machina sort of device, you know. Think uh, like we mentioned Cthulhu earlier. Think like the Elder Gods, like mm-hmm. Cthulhu. Um, or um, I remember going through Monty Cox World of Darkness. Uh, White Wolf uh, got Monty Cox to do a, a third edition World of Darkness uh, campaign book. Mm-hmm. And in that, they uh, he introduces like the Eldritch ab- Abomination. Yeah. It's this sort of like um, like otherworldly, uh, unexplainable like device, like narrative device that is used to explain stuff. Um, but that's pretty much as far as it goes. Like you don't fight them. Mm-hmm. You don't. Um, they're responsible for like what's going on and what may go on. But uh, there's like no official interaction between the player characters. And and these uh, other and these you know, and these dark powers, these uh, eldritch abominations. So, the dark powers, as a result of somebody's evil actions, you know, start to pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have like a sense of humor as well, because you know all these evil folks um, who have gotten their attention, they end up in prison. Like they're the dark lord of their domain, but it's really just like a giant prison for them. And they usually suffer some kind of like curse. So think of like um like Sisyphus like having to like push his boulder, or Sisyphus having to push his boulder up the hill only to have it roll down every day. Like there's some sort of like poetic justice like curse that um that's based on whatever evil got them like there in the first place. Um, in Strahd's case, it's him constantly searching for Tatiana while never being able to have her. Mm-hmm. And so like that, that's the domains of dread and the dark Lords. And all of this starts to get fleshed out when Ravenloft becomes its own campaign setting with mm-hmm. the release of the second edition of D and D. So before we go any further, I want to name off some details about the, uh, some notable locations. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we have Agarath which is a domain that contains the hillstone of a magical dagger 
trapping the spirits of those slain by its blade. So that's gnarly enough already. That's super gnarly. <laughs> like I am like you y'all heard my uh weapon of legacy I crafted last week. It's there. Like, that, that's where it is. I was like that's like that's kind of my jam, that sort of idea. Yeah. So uh this is also where Castle Spolzier was transported when it disappeared from Torrell. So that we'll we'll talk more about that later. Um but Iraq a domain ruled by drow. Yep. This was up until it disappeared in the Grand Conjunction. So, Which we will talk about. Yes. We will talk about after the break. Yep. So this is why I wanted to name them now, because I know some of the stuff's coming <laughs> up. <laughs> so we have Barovia, and this is actually pretty interesting about Barovia. It is the oldest and best known of the Domains of Dread. Yep. So it is the oldest one. It was pretty much the very first one established, which means Count von, uh, I, I can't, mm, Count Strahd von Zarovic. His name is just, right. it's Strahd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Strahd. Um, he was basically the very first one to be imprisoned. Yeah, he kind of like jump-started the whole thing. Yeah, and this is actually recognized through you can tell in different sections of different modules, you know, that this is recognized by others who are quote unquote rulers of their domains. Right. Um, he is by far the gnarliest, but um, it is, like I said, do, do, the domain of Strahd and has been visited by numerous inhabitants of the realms, including yonder Sunstar, which is another name that will pop up later on. Yep. Um, it is, also been visited by Min hmm, Minsk. It's hard to pronounce some of these. Uh, Delina, Kreidel, Shandi, uh, a Kelvarite cleric named Neris, and a famed explorer by the name of none other than Volvo. Yeah, like it's, um, <laughs> you know, there there isn't a whole lot of like back and forth travel mm -hmm. between the material plane oh, and that's and because and the of domains reasons of dread. come up later. Uh, but not to say that it's impossible. Mm -hmm. It's definitely come up. And I think with wizards more uh, like with its increased attention on the multiverse, I think that uh, that sort of like overlap, that sort of like, you know, like seeing characters from forgotten realms, like Elminster yep. or Dritz, uh, seeing them in Barovia, it is going to be more. It's going to come become more common than it was in the past. Yeah. Um. So here's a couple more of them. We have Blutspur, and this is one of my personal favorites. Uh, a domain dominated by none other than mind flares. That's right. That's entire, terrifying. Yes, and it is. It's pretty cool. At some point, we may talk about it. Um. We also have Darkon, the largest domain of dread, ruled over by the Lich King Azalin. So, yeah. Darkon has been mentioned quite a few times in even current books. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned Azalin earlier, like it's it's his and Strahd's mm -hmm. escape attempt that sort of triggers the the house on, on Griffin Hill yep. adventure. And, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about Azalin again when yep. we bring up the Grand Conjunction. He's a major player in a lot of things. Um, but we have Fark. Mm, this one's hard again, too. Falk of Nia, Falkovnia. Um, it's the domain of brutal and militaristic Vlad Drakov, um, which his name comes up a couple times as well in the Strahd lore. Um, Forlorn. Strahd lore. Strahd lore. Uh, Forlorn, the smallest of the domains of dread, and Yonder Star, Sunstar's place of residence after he left Barovia. Um, you have Ar Harakir. A do desert domain ruled by the mummy lord, Octepot. I can never say his name right, so that's what it is. <laughs> uh, All right. Octepot. Yeah. Uh, I have a buddy who can say it perfectly. Uh, uh, we have Hazlon, the domain of Hazlik. Ikath, formerly a kingdom of Karatur, and the domain of uh, Sien Cheng. Uh, Kartikas, the domain of the Harkon Lucas, 
after he fled from Barovia. See, a lot of these are because of Barovia. This is why Barovia is the oldest, because a lot of these domains came into existence because of people of Barovia. Yeah, like it's um, got it has some sort of connection to Barovia for yeah. sure. Um, Markovia, a wild and untamed domain populated with beastmen, created from the crazed medical experiments of Frantisic Markov, the domain's beast lord. And if I remember correctly, I believe he was modeled after F- Dr. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Okay. Frankenstein. Um, I don't don't quote me on that, listeners. I'll do some research, but I believe that is the one that was modeled after Frankenstein. Um, we have Saragos, the domain of Draga, Salt Bitter, which is another interesting uh, person in the the Ravenloft timelines. Uh, we have Suri Raji, a jungle domain filled with dangerous tigers and ruled by the Rakasha Arijani. And see, I told you a lot of these names are hard to pronounce. Uh, and then you have the final domain, which is... They should have just named them Josh. They should have just named them Josh right? and Greg. Yeah. No, that's not fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you hear we, that? If your name is Josh or Greg, you're not fun. That's according <laughs> to Crit. That's not me. I didn't say it. I love all uh, Joshes and most Gregs. I love them too. It's okay. But the final domain we have is Valashan, the domain of Uruk von Karkov. So those are our big player domains. And there are tinier ones that didn't exist for very long. Then they don't really need mentioning. <laughs> yeah. And like, we'll definitely go into uh, more detail mm-hmm. in episode three. Like when we like sort of fill in the, bl- like fill in the gaps in yep. the, in the lore of Ravenloft. Uh, but yeah. So let's go ahead. Let's go. Let's go to the middle of the we're show. Gonna, let's, we're going to go to the middle, middle of the this show. up real quick. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about all sorts of fun stuff. Woo-woo! I got awfully tongue-tied when I was trying to say these names. I even practiced them before the show. So many names. <laughs> so many names. I was like, so so listeners, I'm sorry that I got tongue-tied, especially if it was one of your favorite places or favorite names. I'm sorry I messed it up. I love you very much. I try. It's it's hard to pronounce some of these. But anyway, we're in the middle of the show. <laughs> yes. So in the middle of the show, we like to do a little thank you dance. Right, Sergio? Yes, I'm dancing. For those of you uh, listening to this on the audio version, trust that I am dancing. And for those uh, watching live on Twitch, something's wrong with your screen if you don't see me dancing. <laughs> I definitely am. But we do definitely like to give a shout out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Sergio, take it away. We love them all. We love Wolf the Sheepdog. We love Tex Ten Star. We love Coffee Husky, Remington Cloutier, uh, Lupus Malum, uh, Jonathan S., Daniel P., Climbing Zebra. Uh, thank you all so much for, uh, for supporting the show through Patreon. If you're interested in doing so, you can go to patreon.com slash dnd. Lorecast, uh, anywhere from five to one hundred dollars, each with its own cool, uh, you know, perks that you get. Uh, five bucks gets you ad-free episodes and early episodes, whereas you know everyone has to wait until Saturday to listen to the audio version of our beautiful voices on this podcast. You can listen on Friday, those suckers! Ha ha! You're a day ahead, uh, and then all the way up to a hundred, where you can get. Like uh, free painted minis, uh, get to play in, t- in a campaign with us that's DM'd by Crit himself. Which I am currently and, working on one for none other than Lupus. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, it's a lot of cool stuff and t shirts and stickers, uh, bonus episodes. The bonus episodes we have been slacking on. We are definitely working hard to get bonus episodes for the $10 tier and up. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely going to get back onto that. And so, but if you can't, uh, if your situation is to where you, you know, you can't uh, go on to Patreon and subscribe, you know, thank you for listening, just for listening and just, you know, shout out, shout us out to a homeboy or a homegirl, someone who you think will like the show, Uh, jump on uh, Apple or Spotify and, and give us a glowing review so that people will know that we're the best D&D lore cast out there. Uh, I mean, we know it and you know it, but we need everyone to know it. 
Everyone needs to know. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we do appreciate you. Um, our patrons, especially. Oh, Sergio's dancing, finally. <laughs> yeah. Wolf's Laura shamed me into dancing. He shamed you. Um, but we do appreciate you. Uh, without you, none of this would be possible. And without you as listeners, we wouldn't have a reason to continue the show. So, yeah, I mean, we'd be doing this. I, I mean, I'd be bugging my wife. Like, if if you don't support the show, well, then the show won't exist. And then I'm just going to have to talk to my wife about D&D nonstop. Like, she's like, <laughs> at least there's an hour out of the week where he's not talking to me about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> so with all that being said, I only have one thing I want to bring up as a reminder to everyone. Bring it up. <sighs> so Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is getting a miniature set. It is. <sighs> 52 minis. Okay. Next 52 month. total minis. It's next month. Current release date is looking at March 2nd. But that can change. It's always subject to change. So, you know. You never really know until you have them in your hand. Yeah. Um, They did add a couple more cool ones. Uh, We now have the Headless Monster, which comes with two heads that can be removed from the miniature. I'm going to lose those. Uh, (laughs) And we have the Unspeakable Horror. There's a couple other ones, but those are the ones that stood out directly to me. You're excited, aren't you? I'm super excited. <laughs> I love my minis. Come on, you know this. You do love your minis. I do. But that's all I've got for the uh, miniature corner for the week. What do you got, Sergio? I know you got something cool. Well, I was looking up um, something in the DMs, the Dungeon Masters Guild, to highlight in this week's DMs Guild corner. And seeing as how we're talking about Ravenloft, I sort of focused my attention on the tons and really great content that people have created for Ravenloft. And I came across something that uh, I feel is, you know, and I mean, it's got uh, four and a half stars based on 234 ratings. And so it's definitely not overlooked as far as, you know, how great it is. But as far as, you know, um, when you're looking for something on DMs, Guild, you might be looking for like stat blocks or, um, like, you know, uh, lore. What this is, it's by Sean McGovern, who we've uh, we've suggested some of their stuff previously on previous DMs Guild Corners. It's a guide to Curse of Strahd. Now, this $2 guide has everything you need to put together a Curse of Strahd campaign. There are DM notes chapter by chapter full of ideas, reminders, and page number references. Also included are two outlines. One is a short rundown to give a picture of how everything is linked together. Then there's a massive outline, which shows in detail how you connect and elaborate on each on the written material. So for two bucks, this is this pretty much is kind of a uh, like a cheat guide to running the campaign, which like you discussed that, you know, when we're talking about our, our favorite fifth uh, edition adventures, Curse of Strahd, you know, you, you got to, even for an experienced DM is going to be, uh, can be burdensome because of mm-hmm. all the different moving parts, everything that's going on. And so something like this, and especially for a $2 price point, if you're thinking about starting a Curse of Strahd campaign, if you're thinking about DMing it for your group of friends or your, uh, the group at your local gaming shop, something like this could really come in handy, even for the most experienced and veteran dungeon masters. Yeah, I mean, the reason I say it's super complex, and this this definitely helped me out, um, because I do know exactly which one you're talking about, and I actually own this one, and I bought it immediately after buying Strahd. The reason I say it's complex and complicated is because some things, uh, and I'm going to get a little historic here. At one point in time, White Wolf had the rights to produce yep. some Strahd stuff. We and, will discuss that. Yep. And a lot of it is actually considered, it's it's argumented back and forth, it's considered non-canon. Mm-hmm. Um, which, if you're an old school D&D player like me, becomes very convoluted and complex to figure out what exactly is and isn't anymore. Right. And there's there's definitely over, I don't know the exact number, but I know it's more than 74 different books that cover Ravenloft itself. And that is also including the the, you know, dread domains. There's a lot. 
and that White Wolf White Wolf release? No, no, no. That's just period. Oh, that, I mean, there's there's tons. way more than so, yeah, yeah, way more. Than I thought that was what just from third edition. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, no, uh, yeah, there's way more than that because then there's novels and comics and you know video right, games right. and you get all kinds. There's a lot of content. This right here will help you condense it into easily manageable, and you can get the best out of your campaign for Ravenloft. I will right. hands down give it that. It's fantastic. It helped me out, and I'm well versed in the dm you know world so <laughs> if i needed it you need it <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah you know if if, if you could benefit from it if yeah. someone with your experience could benefit from it then then anyone could so yeah, yeah that's that's my that's my pick of the week like i said it's two bucks definitely check it out yeah so with that being said i'm excited let's jump back in to the end of the episode I couldn't find the button. <laughs> the button. <laughs> the button. But we're back. We're at the end of we the are. episode. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk some more Ravenloft. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so so far, no, not not too much from the Ravenloft. Uh, you know, cast of characters. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of adventure modules, uh, a, a book, a novel of sorts. Um, but it, that all changes when the second edition of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons comes out, and in, because in June 1990, the release of Ravenloft: Realm of Terror, which is also known as the Black Box, uh, it turns Ravenloft into a full-blown campaign setting. Uh, that's followed by, like, to, like you said earlier, like dozens of novels, uh, adventure modules, mm-hmm. uh, source books. Uh, including the beginning of the famous and well-loved Van Richten guides. So yeah, so Dr. Rudolph Van Richten, uh, who, like I said at the beginning of the show, we will discuss in the next part of our Ravenloft series, he makes his debut with the Realm of Terror in June 1990. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we also, you know, so in addition to all this, all this content now, we get the obligatory conversion of the original Ravenloft module uh, into advanced D&D second edition. Call it this one's called House of Strahd. And so that's going on great until four years later, TSR releases what is officially called the Ravenloft campaign setting, but what dorks like me and you call the red box. Mm-hmm. So this is a revamp or a, in DD terms, like a second edition of the campaign setting. Uh, so obviously, like, I mean, like, why would they release this except for the obvious reason just to make more money, right? There's actually a very good reason, and that is the Grand Conjunction. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> the Grand Conjunction earlier. The Grand Conjunction, uh, also known as the Great Upheaval, it dramatically changes the makeup of the Domains of Dread. Oh, yeah. Um, not just like it, it, like, it changes the geography, the actual like you know how what what it looks like you know like just imagine uh uh like california like falling into the ocean like it's like it's dramatic uh so a conjunction is when the domains of dread and the material plane sort of temporarily seep into one another and domain of dread inhabitants like strad like azalin are able to escape uh but that sort of i that was always theoretical it never like you know that sort of escape never happened until the grand conjunction mm-hmm. so our old friend azalin i said he'd come back to haunt us <laughs> that, that pesky little sucker uh he's behind this one yeah uh, he sort of causes it to occur uh and you know actually like i we should we should probably i mentioned like the bonus episodes that we're definitely uh going to get back on track and doing uh, we de- we should do one on the Grand Conjunction because it definitely warrants it. Like there's a lot of lore within the Grand Conjunction that we can't get into uh, in this episode because you know we still got quite a bit to talk about. Yeah. But for the sake of brevity, the Grand Conjunction it was foretold by uh, Vistani, who had the power of sight, and that prophecy was then triggered by Azalin. So Azalin's actions 
started it and his actions also ended it because his greed and impatience uh, ended up causing the end of the prophecy, which you know foretold the grand conjunction's end. So Azalin's actions like you know kickstarted the prophecy and he inadvertently brought the prophecy to fruition and which which also was the end of the grand conjunction. So you know like I said this was important enough to justify a revamp or a second edition of the Ravenloft campaign setting because it it dramatically changes the geography of the domains of dread. You know some domains are were absorbed by others some uh, broke away. Like you said, a lot of them have sort of connections to Barovia. And this is exactly why. Um, you know, some domains become islands of terror within the new Sea of Sorrows domain. Uh, new domains are established. And one domain, Farrell, vanishes forever. It's gone. And so, and but as far as... Um, like physical difference, like the difference of what you get between the black box and the red box. Uh, the red box, uh, aside from you know the changes to to the lore, the red box is pretty much uh, the same as the black box, except it also contains the forbidden lore source book, which was the very first book to include the Taroka deck. Mm-hmm. So think of red box as like the the black box with the updated you know, lore to accommodate like what's going on in the story. Uh, plus the forbidden lore source book, which includes the Taroka deck. Uh, so you got the red box, uh, even more novels, even more adventure modules, mm-hmm. uh, source books. They all follow. Like, I'm advanced D and D second edition is absolutely lousy with a Ravenloft material. <laughs> now, before we go any further, I do want to mention, cause we, I guarantee you we have some listeners and they're sitting here going, we're talking about Ravenloft. When are we going to talk about Vecna? Oh, we'll, we'll, we're definitely going to talk go, about Vecna. Yeah, I just want to let it known. We are going to talk about Vecna. Big like said, time. This, <laughs> like this episode is sort of about the history of, yep. of Ravenloft, as well as some allure to, you know, to accommodate mm-hmm. that history. Episode, uh, part two is going to be about Van Richten, yep. uh, sort of uh, biography, uh, like a, a look at his at his character. And episode three is going to like, is like I said, we're filling in all the gaps. Yeah. We're, we're talking about Vecna. We're talking, we're going more in depth into Azalin and uh, other dark Lords and other domains of dread, you know? Uh, and then of course we're wrapping up with, uh, with Strahd. Yep. So, I mean, there's, there's just so much material. Like we had to break it up into multiple episodes. Yep. We're talking about Sithicus for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Sithicus. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of what we get, a lot of what we got in advanced D and D second mm-hmm. edition, is what informs the Curse of Strahd in fifth edition. Yes, uh, but before we get to fifth edition, we have third edition. So the twenty first century uh, brings about the end of TSR, the acquisition of Dungeons and Dragons by Wizards of the Coast, and the third and the three point five editions of the game. And so, strangely, strangely enough, it isn't Wizards that's releasing the new evolution of Ravenloft books. Like they, I mean, they—it's obvious. Like Moneymaker, they printed a ton of it for the previous edition, but they instead outsourced the Ravenloft books to White Wolf, mm-hmm. which uh, best known for the World of Darkness games, Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, etc. So, I was wondering why this was. And I found an article around that time where someone from Wizards uh, said, and I quote, we're very excited to have the masters of the horror genre of RPGs taking up the banner of Ravenloft. So in a way, it sort of makes sense. Like, you know, the folks at White Wolf know how to do horror. Let's hire them ostensibly to do our horror stuff. You know, sort of outsource this um, this campaign and um like still make money off of it, but, you know, put in the hands of people we feel are going to be able to do it well. Mm-hmm. And so, they were responsible for 21 different items during this time. Yeah, they, they've got a, they've got a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, so starting in October, 2001, we get the official third edition campaign setting. Um, White Wolf also releases everything you would expect 
from a third edition campaign setting, which is a player's handbook, uh, a DM's guide, plus like a slew of source books. The one thing that's really missing from White Wolf's offerings are adventures. Yeah. There really aren't any new modules to play. So you've got all these great like rule books and source books and, and new content, but you're gonna you're having to homebrew or plug or sort of like plug other like you know Aberon adventures mm-hmm. or Forgotten Realm adventures into the campaign setting. So I, I, I'm thinking that's maybe why it didn't take off as well as it did. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, honestly, it was it was a lot of supplemental books. And which I'm like, I am down. For. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, like, but they which White Wolf, you know, from my experience with them, White Wolf often does this. They want you to create a pretty much your own world. Right. They want you to use the information they've given you to create your own. And, you know, that's not really the core asset of D&D. The core asset of D&D is here's an adventure. Go play it. Right. You know, like, we'll, like, we'll give you some stuff to throw in there to make that one adventure or those other adventures more interesting. But this is the adventure. These are the plot points. These, you know, the work's done. Just go have fun. No, yeah. And like, and we've discussed this various times. You know, there are pros and cons mm-hmm. to having, um, you know, pre made modules and to having a homebrew campaign. Yeah. You know, the times for the DM for sure. Mm-hmm. is a definite asset when it comes to ha- running a pre-made campaign. Oh yeah. Like I could, like I I'm in the process of uh starting something up to get us through to the summer when we can get back together and play our regular campaign to, to play Curse of Strahd, which we've been playing for a while. Uh, but because of uh um like school and different just like sort of um obligations we all can't get together at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, and I recently did the haunt for uh, for my buddies. Yes. And so I was like, it kind of like, I was scratching that sort of DM itch. And I was like, I kind of want to do it some more. And so I was like, hey, like I, if y'all, yeah, I'll DM if y'all are willing to do uh, like a sort of mini campaign that'll take us from, you know, March through like the middle of May through like the beginning of summer. And like, yeah, I wouldn't be able to homebrew something as much as I would love to. I just don't have the time. Yeah. Like I can read a, a pre-made adventure and familiarize myself with the with the characters and the the creatures and the story so that I can run it efficiently for my friends, but I wouldn't be able to make it all from scratch. And so like while I definitely agree that you know homebrew is great and amazing, there are just sometimes it's it's not feasible. And unfortunately, like White Wolf like didn't provide with didn't provide uh the fans, the fans of Ravenloft with those pre-made adventures. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there are amazing, like they're untold homebrew Ravenloft campaigns from White Wolf's third edition stuff that, you know, that we could hear about. Uh, but if you're not willing to do that, then you probably just went over, like, you know, skipped over Ravenloft and and hit up um, like something from Eberron. And that was another thing too, is if uh, like while, while, while White Wolf isn't unknown by any stretch in the TTRPG game. It didn't have like it had it had a sword and sorcery logo mm-hmm. on it, not a D&D logo. Yeah. So I think the branding might have also affected it as well. So with that being said, that rolls us into the Wizards of the Coast Age, does it not? Yeah, so you know, that lasts through summer of 2005 when Wizards takes back over and uh, White Wolf, they released their very last source book, which is Van Richten's Guide to, of the Mists, which is uh, they released as an online only, like a PDF file. Uh, so then a year later... Well, hang on. I want to touch base on this one because I found an interesting fact about this one. Okay. The reason they published it online instead of as a physical copy is because their licensing had expired before they could send it to print. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like, yep. like they, like the uh, the agreement ended and they had it done. But like you said, like they, they couldn't get it to print quick enough. And so they're like, ah, screw it. They just released it on their website. <laughs> <laughs> but it was free. So there's a plus. Yeah, well, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they could. They legally couldn't charge you for it. But I mean, it's very cool on them. Like, well, we did all this work. Might as well put it out there for the people to enjoy. Yeah. So, but anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So a year after that, 
nearly 23 years after the release of the original Ravenloft module in October 2006, Wizards of the Coast released their third edition adaptation of the original, and they call it Expedition to Castle Ravenloft. And this is the only like Wizards released Ravenloft material for third edition. And, and I will I wanna I wanna poke something here. Poke, poke. So unlike other campaign settings that have been released, this was a level six through ten campaign setting. Not your one through ten, like it's usually done. This was level six through ten. Mm-hmm. So those are those in 3.5 days, those are those crucial levels where you really start to hit your power levels. So that's when that's like to a certain extent, you know, like up to fifth level, like everyone can kind of do the same thing. Everyone yeah. has like a basic attack. Everyone has maybe a spell or two. Yeah. Uh, and has like one cool one or two cool things they can do. But, you know, and those and the, there's the, you know, the details are are different, but that's generally like every like first, second, third, fourth, fifth level character. Like you said, like those six through 10th levels are really when you can kind of when you really start to like hone in and figure mm-hmm. out what your character who your character is and what they can do. And the other thing I wanted to say about this one was this is actually where they start to implement curse effects and different things you can get from this particular campaign setting as well. Mm-hmm. So they made it so that you can take your characters that you've been playing with in your own game, send them to Ravenloft. If they survive, they can either get some good or some bad goodies. Right from the campaign, and you can send them right back under their own campaign. It was yep. extremely cool. It was extremely oh, confusing, cool, yeah. but it was extremely cool. <laughs> and so that's like released toward the very end of the third edition uh, era, and then Ravenloft goes kind of quiet for the fourth edition. Uh, you know, there's a board game that's released, Ca- uh, Castle Ravenloft, and the Open Grave Secrets of the Undead source book for fourth edition provides a 4e stat block for Strahd. Uh, but beyond that, but beyond like little bits and pieces, like little mentions here and there, there's really nothing official. Uh, the biggest takeaway from fourth edition, however, is that they make the domains of dread concept sort of like it's uh, like these like series of demi planes within the shadow fell within the shadow plane. Uh, they make that canon. And so that is like, like where they sort of like like alluded to it and sort of like beginning to flesh it out in advanced Dungeons and Dragons, they like officially make it, they officially make it official uh, in fourth edition. So that's really like the biggest takeaway from that era. Which was a huge mind blower for everybody that was following it at that time because that's what everyone wanted. We wanted it to be canon. We wanted it to be established. We wanted to know where we could put it on our wonderful D and D world map. <laughs> yeah. Like our, our huge like cosmology wheel. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, but like I said, beyond that, you know, the Ravenloft, uh, castle Ravenloft, the lights are sort of dim at, at castle Ravenloft, uh, until March, 2016, when the fifth edition curse of Strahd is released. It is an adaptation of, I don't even want to say an adaptation because, uh, it's, it's not just um, like an adaptation of the original module because it has so much material from advanced D and D second edition. Mm-hmm. Like it sort of takes the, the original module plus like all that stuff that they released for advanced D and D second edition and sort of makes something new. You know, it's sort of, it's a, it, it takes its inspiration from the module and then informs it with all this different stuff. And Lupus says the Chris Perkins era. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So the best way I have always explained this change was this. They took all the good things. They made it less confusing to run. Though it is still confusing because it's a very complex and convoluted world. They took a lot of that complexity out. And they streamlined a lot of things. While also introducing new elements to the fifth edition game. So we get to keep our old crunchies, get to smooth out some of the wrinkles, and we get some new crunchies to add to the pool. 
Yeah, which you could you could argue that's kind of what fifth edition is yeah. as a whole. And so they just fifth edition eyes, you know, Ravenloft. Yeah. And like, yeah, and as you know, uh, you know, whether you uh, agree, whether you like how they've changed it or not, you can't argue that it jumpstarts Ravenloft's popularity again. Mm-hmm. Uh, then last year we get Van Richting's Guide to Ravenloft which serves more or less as Ravenloft's fifth edition campaign setting source book. Yeah. So there is one thing I want to note about this transition as well is there were two different Ravenloft fifth editions released. Yep. So there was the Curse of Strahd fifth edition, and then there was the revamped version. Right. Now, this is primarily because, and I'm not afraid to talk about it, there were some very controversial elements to the original release. Um, yeah, just some problematic, uh, yeah. like characterizations. Yeah, on like the Romani people, especially. Yep. Uh, like sort of like old, tired, you know, and inaccurate and harmful mm-hmm. tropes, even terminologies. It was, I it was a change that I welcomed wholeheartedly because. D&D as a whole is supposed to be, TTRPGs period, is supposed to be a warm, welcoming, and inviting experience to all. And that means all. And for these tired, you know, offensive tropes and, you know, terms and all of these things to be utilized in a book that is current and modernized, unacceptable. You know, and I'm... I am happy to say that Wizards of the Coast acknowledged this. It was brought to their attention. You know, unfortunately, it, they should have noticed it from the get-go, but, you know, it is what it is. But when right. it was brought to their attention, they immediately took to the the presses and fixed the things that they needed to fix, reworked the things they needed to rework, and we were given the revamped version. And in addition to that revamped version, we were also given Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, which expanded on some of those reworks and expanded on some yeah. of those, you know, fixes, which is fantastic. You know, I even went as far as to burn my old version and then go get the new version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they, like you said, like they're, they're, you know, TTRPGs, like the D and D and TTRPGs as a whole, you know, I don't want anyone to ever, like read something in one of these books that makes them feel bad about themselves. You know, that's something like, you know, something that is demeaning to, uh, to their, you know, where they come mm-hmm. from, their culture, anything like that, you know, and, and I wrote about this on our Twitter, like, you know, in a multiverse where you can be anything, like, why would you ever want to be like intolerant and close-minded? Exactly. Like, why would you choose that? And so <laughs> like, yeah, like I, I am all for the, uh, the the recent push for diversity mm-hmm. and inclusivity in TTRPGs, I think it can only, you know, make like the different perspectives and the different worldviews can only make it, you know, can only make it better. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, with all that being said, I believe that's where our timeline of publishing comes to an end for so far, right? Yeah, I mean that's a that's that's a brief history of ravenloft and it, with some with some lore thrown in to little, explain little some stuff yes and uh <laughs> like i said we'll talk about van richten in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks and then after that we'll talk about all like the really juicy lore stuff that we couldn't yep. get to in this episode and then we'll wrap it all up with Strahd himself like i'm like I'm, you're, I'm you're down pumped. for this. You're pumped. I'm I told pumped. you you I'm, would I'm be. Jacked. I told you you would be. So basically, this episode was to go over the timeline of releases. Um, if you were looking forward to lure heavy episode, this one, not, not so much. This one was to get us to know. We got some lore in there, though. We got some, uh, though. Um, this one was more so for us to get a timeline of events, releases, you know, things that you can look at with us as we go through the lore on the next few episodes. The episodes from here on out are going to be the extremely lower heavy episodes for Ravenloft. Yeah. But I, and you know, Sergio can attest to this, I did not feel as if we could do Ravenloft justice by just throwing it all into one episode and going, okay. This episode was definitely done to show you how extensive 
the Ravenloft setting actually has been throughout there yeah like if if you think that it like there might have been like one a couple of books and then curse of strahd was sort of it the fifth edition adaptation of it like no like curse of strahd is a is a nearly 30 year culmination or Mm -hmm. 30 plus year uh culmination uh or 23 year culmination when did it come out? 16. Oh, yeah, 30 years. Yeah. I don't know math. Math is hard. I know D&D. <laughs> I don't know math. I need my um, clicky clack rocks. And so uh, it's like a, it's a culmination of all that stuff mm-hmm. that came before it. And all that stuff has a bunch of great juicy lore. Oh, yeah. Well, with all that being said, we're at the end of the episode. It's a perfect time for wrap up. It's a perfect time to throw magic at him at you. Let's hear it. Okay. So, we're going to do something a little different, because we're doing this as a series. I'm going to get you ready to be a a supernatural hunter. And every supernatural hunter needs some good gear to be effective. So, the first batch of gear we're going to give you is the... You ready for this? I I got the perfect name for it, too. The Supernatural Crossbow 5000. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> so this crossbow operates in two ways. Number one, you can use melee weapons as a projectile. Okay. Now, I'm going to slow your roll. No, you cannot put a longsword in this thing and launch it. <laughs> what you can put in it is smaller. Well, then what can you do? What can you do? Well, I'm glad you asked. What you can put inside this is simply put your stakes, your knives, Small melee weapons, you know, you can place it in here and it will fire it just as accurately as it would a normal crossbow bolt or other projectile. So that's the first function of it. The second function of it, however, is that it is a very ornate design and the design changes based on which location you get it from. Um, But it will always reflect a ornate design of the region. So if you get it from more of a, uh, yeah, broken bottles will work, you know, those, those kind of things will, um, if you get it from more of like a, you know, desert region, it'll have more of a, you know, Egyptian esque kind of design to it. You know, wherever you get it, these, you know, it's, it's ornate. However, The ornate designs, when in the presence of anything undead, will begin to glow. And the brighter it glows, the closer you are to something undead. So we're uh, we're, kind of going here with with a a friendly little sword that we all know and love. Good old sting. (laughs) Right, yeah. I like it. I like it. So Uh, it it works only for the undead, though. So they're asking what kind of weapons you can place in there. Asking of like martial weapons, finesse weapons. It seems like it's only good. It's only simple weapons. Simple weapons. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we we uh, don't worry. Don't worry. I have something for your fancy finesse weapons. Uh, but for this one, yeah, simple weapons is what you're looking for. You know, broken bottles will work. Daggers, knives. You know, stakes. You, you know, simple simple weapons. Um. You know, and we're classifying these as smaller weapons, you know. So that's that's our wonderful crossbow 5000. <laughs> Supernatural crossbow Supernatural 5, crossbow 5000. We have to say the like whole it. name. But that's, like it. that's our magic item for the week. In a series of long to come hunter helper kits. You can buy them all at your at uh, <laughs> at your local Barovian Walmart. Exactly, and your one stop shop to become a supernatural hunter. I like Bingo. it. So, Sergio, what do you got for us? Well, uh, continue listening to our show, please. We love you. Uh, follow us on Twitter, D and D Lorecast at D and D Lorecast, and also uh, email us if you have any questions or requests that go or. If you want more information that we didn't, uh, like we maybe something we we brushed over, didn't cover in depth, that you have more, uh, you have a question on, or if there's something that we got wrong, 
and you want to correct us, you can email us at dndlorecast at gmail.com. Uh, for my part, I have another podcast that I co-host with my best friend, Sean Hamill, called Fandom University, where we talk about all sorts of nerdy stuff um, on a more like uh, like a sort of scholarly academic level. We really dig into sort of like the minutia and the, the subtext of, of, the, of the nerdy, dorky media that we consume. You know, uh, so far this year, we've talked about the Scream franchise. Uh, we're doing Boba Fett right now. Uh, and then we're going to do um, Silent Hill at some point this year. We're going to do RoboCop. We're going to do all sorts of cool stuff. So, but yeah, check it out. Fandom University. Uh, you can find it in the show notes uh, or on uh, uh, you can go to linktree.com slash fandom you podcast for all the, all the links. All the links are there. All the links. <laughs> Well, what about you? Do you do you also have another podcast? Maybe I have lots of other podcasts. <laughs> oh, pray tell. I don't know that I that I've ever heard you talk about them. I'm not going to go through the giant list of podcasts. If you're interested, they are always in the show notes below, and there's always something down there for you. I guarantee it. Just go take a look. I guarantee you there's going to be another show that you're interested in. Um. We I mean, do. you've got a couple of different lore, other lore casts: Resident Evil, uh, Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. Two different lore casts for those uh, for those IPs. You've got three different or four different uh, live play podcasts: D and D, Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. Vampire the Masquerade, Cyberpunk yep. Red. So Delta yeah, like Green. What, Delta Green. Yeah. So yep. like, even uh, like whatever tickles your fancy uh crits got got the tickler just for you and we have two potentially three more shows coming out this year one is coming out within the next month and i won't i won't say anything but uh wolf knows (laughs) wolf knows wolf knows wolf knows um but yeah so we've got some exciting things planned for this year um once we get the Patreon up for the... I'll, I'll announce it here. Once we get the Patreon up for The Legend of Zelda, we have a nice nifty plan um, planned. We're going to be giving away Nintendo Switches uh, for a while once we hit certain goals, stretch goals on our um, Patreon. So that's exciting. We're going to give away Switches and some games. So give I'm me stoked. a Switch. Give me a Switch. We'll go get on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... That's all I've got. Uh, with all that being said, thank you for joining me, Sergio. You're a fantastic person. I am a fantastic person. <laughs> and thank thank you, you for realizing it. You're welcome. And thank you, everybody who's listening to this uh, on your favorite streaming platform. And thank you to our patrons again. And thank you to everyone who is in Twitch. With all those thank yous out of the way, I think it's time we end this episode. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.